This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and with me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7, and the Bulldogs have a commitment, a 2022 commitment, C.J. Washington. We told you we thought this one was coming. Cedartown High School, Nick Chubb, uh, uh, same place as Nick Chubb, worked out with Nick Chubb, uh, you know, just a big-time athlete here and a big-time gift for Georgia in the 22-22 class. But the second half of the show, we're going to talk about 2021, too. And, uh, you know, listen, there's no way to kind of sugarcoat it. Georgia's struggling a little bit on the trail right now. Uh, it has some guys that they maybe led for or, or really looked like they were going to land early in the process that have gone elsewhere. And we're going to discuss that and kind of where this class can go and, and Kirby Smart's prowess as a recruiter. But, Rusty, you're the guy who knows C.J. Washington as well as anybody. What are the Bulldogs getting and, and how big of a get is this so early in the process for for 2022 i mean i guess even before the 2022 process starts very very big get for georgia this is a explosive player extremely um athletic strong you know interesting cj um had cj at mvp camp i think as an eighth grader kind of just kept growing and growing and growing and getting bigger and, and faster and uh i think with him it's it's his um uh, the speed he plays the game. I mean, everything is full speed. He's a violent player, as you saw in the highlight. You know, this commitment video, the first play of that commitment video, when you know he's he's playing defensive end and he steps up, the pulling guard comes from the backside and he absolutely just mauls that pulling guard. I mean, it like he electrocuted that kid, and that shows you what you need to see. Now he's going to project at a different position. Uh, I think he had 17 sacks last year as a sophomore. Uh, they're going to move him. They got a new coach, Jamie Abrams, uh, came forward from Keytron defense coordinator and talked with Coach Abrams last week when I was down. And he said they're going to move him to inside backer, which which he projects out. You know, we had his ranking change to inside backer. He's a six one and a half, probably two hundred twenty two pound kid. He's a three hundred seventy five pound bencher, already a three hundred twenty five pound power clean guy. He just he's you cannot miss on these in state guys like this. This is a guy that that loves football, uh, really could care less about all the rankings. He works out two or three days a week with Nick Chubb, as you said, in the offseason. Wears 27 for Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, Kip put in the crystal ball last year when he got the offer. I think I wrote an article, and, you know, he talked about how important that art, that 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 offer was. And and uh, I probably thought, yeah, with, with Kip, this was going to be hard for him to end up anywhere else. But he did listen for a while. And, and not knowing when he could even visit a school again, he told me, look, I'm just – there's no sense in playing around. I know where I want to go. Uh, really, Tennessee was a school that was pushing the second hardest. And, uh, he, you know, he, he went up there and thought about them. But at the end of the day, man, he's, he grew up a lifelong Georgia fan. He wants to go ahead and get in the boat with uh, Marquise Killebrew and from the, the defensive back from, from Brookwood and really start recruiting some kids for Georgia. But 
a football player, man, a kid that loves it, he will absolutely smash you strong, fast. I tell you what, he hasn't been able to run this summer because he had been dealing with a little bit of a hamstring. They're kind of protecting him right now. When he tests, he's going to test off the charts. I would not be surprised if he's a sub 4'6 guy in the 225-pound range. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at his film, and, and I always love it for defensive players when they play offense. I love it when offensive players play defense. And, you know, you pointed out he plays some running back. I mean, he, he's a big athletic kid who does a lot of stuff at a smaller, at a smaller program. And uh, that's the benefit you can get from those guys that go to smaller programs. They do play both ways. They do kind of round out their game as football players. And, and uh, I really like that about them. And, and, you know, you turn around and you look at that position, you know, this is a big position of need for Georgia in the current class, in the 2021 class. And I don't see that changing in 2022 when, when you have guys like N'Kobe Dean, who may be a three-and-done type player, uh, you know, exiting at, at the end of the 2021 season. And, and, uh, and, and you know, other guys like Tresman Marshall and even Ryan Davis could, could explode and kind of come onto the scene and be that type of player as well. So you got to keep stock in that position. Georgia's trying to do that in the current class. They've got one commitment at inside linebacker. And then who knows what's going to happen with C.J. Washington over the next two years. He gets up to 6'3". Maybe he's, maybe he's rushing from the edge. Uh, for Georgia, but but ultimately, you know he can play inside linebacker. You know he can rush the passer, which is another thing I like about defensive players just in general, whether they play inside linebacker or, or safety or whatever. It doesn't matter. If you show the ability to line up on the edge and come after the quarterback and finish when you get there, that's a really good skill to have. Uh, Kip, what's kind of your impression of C.J. Washington and what this does for Georgia in the 2022 class with, with Killebrew already in the, uh, in the fold? I don't know. It gives them a guy that I think you don't have to worry about his productivity level at the, at, at the next stage. I think he's a guy that you just plug in an inside backer and know that you're going to get a guy that's going to fill the stat sheet and, and really just lay it all on the field. And I don't know if he's going to be the most outspoken, you know, recruit in this class. I think there's just something about Cedar Town. They have the guys that just kind of keep their head down, don't worry about anything else except for, you know, what happens on the field. But those guys usually pan out really well for, for Georgia. I mean, you, you look at last year's class and, and Dominic Blaylock at Walton. I mean, he's a guy that committed to Georgia early, and, and, and that was it. And come signing day, you know, he wasn't really a forgotten man. He was more the, the guy that everyone talked about and said, you know, he, he was, I don't want to say refreshing, just different. A guy that, you know, commits – shuts it down, and, and then, and then that's, that's really it. That's, he just focused on trying to get ready for the next level, and he came in and made an impact, you know, as a true freshman. That, that's what I see in C.J. Washington. He's not a guy that's going to check on his ranking every week or, you know, tweet out graphics every other day. He's a guy that's going to go in and, and work hard and just give it, you know, give your all. And the, the talent level speaks for itself as well. I mean, again, the strength numbers are there. The productivity is there. He's got great size for inside backer if that's where he stays at, you know, physically speaking. There are no question marks there. And as Rusty said, I mean, if he's a guy that, that times well, you know, as well as everything else he brings to the table, there really aren't any question marks with him. And it, right now he's already a top 100 player in both the composite and on 24-7 sports. I think if he comes in and we get verified times, you know, in the next year or so when we're able to, to kind of do verified testing – then I think his ranking could go up. You could see him, you know, maybe being a top 50 guy. And so I think for Georgia, 
it's an outstanding get. Anytime you can get a guy who's basically a top 10 player in the state of Georgia, that, that's really kind of the benchmark for guys. You want to make sure that Georgia can load up on in their class and getting one early and, and, and what we think is going to be a guy that, that sticks uh, is outstanding. That's another thing. You get early commitments. So often people say that first one or two commitments is the most likely to not end up in the class. I don't really see that with C.J. Washington, so I think it's outstanding news for the Bulldogs. Yeah, there's no way around it. And then when you when you throw in Marquise Grove's uh, killer brew, that's two top 100 overall prospects in the 2022 class, two guys that are right there in that top 10 range in the state of Georgia, and two guys that play defense. Uh, you know, you're looking at, at restocking the defense with some big-time athletes. That's the thing that I kind of point to when I start to look at, you know, where this thing is headed. And, listen, there's a lot still to play out in the 2021 class, and we're going to cover all that um, in, in the second half of the show. But you start looking even ahead to the 2022 class. I feel like getting, Rusty, those two types of defenders in at such an early time at such crucial positions in Georgia's defense. I mean, listen, you got to be able to play man-to-man coverage at cornerback, and you've got to have head-hunting head athletes at the inside linebacker position and then locking down a couple of guys like that to start the class, man. I mean, that to me, that, that kind of lets you know that where that commitment is to, to recruiting elite level athletes on, on defense. Right, Rusty? Yeah. And the biggest thing too, Jake, I think is not that they're two in-state kids. These are two in-state kids that could commit to anywhere just about right now. They wanted to, they get these two in, that's a good solid start to the next class. And you got some guys that can recruit in on other guys. So not only do you start with two a little bit early, you start with two in-state kids, which I think is very, very important for the 2022 class. I think the 2022 class in state is stronger uh, because of the quarterbacks, the defensive linemen, defensive the defensive players in the state of 2022 in Georgia is really, really deep. This is a very good start for Kirby Smart and his staff. Yeah, it's crazy how that happens from class to class because in the, I don't think there has been a better offensive line class in the state of Georgia in a very long time uh, than there is in 2021, and it, it's a good-looking group. And, uh, you know, the quarterback class is pretty solid there, and Georgia's got Brock Vandegriff, and, and, you know, there, there are a lot of really fantastic football players in the state of Georgia in the 2021 class. But then you look at 2022, and it's so much different. Like you said, the, the heavy defensive side – is big there as well, and and you bringing in those guys and, and getting two of the better defenders in the Peach State uh, so early, I think is 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 could very well help Georgia kind of recruit the rest of the 2022 class because I feel like if if you're defensive heavy and you've got guys that want to play together, that's just one more. You know, I've always kind of downplayed that. I've always kind of downplayed the whole. You know, listen, these guys are going to do what's best for them regardless. And we've seen package deals fall apart, guys. Three-guy three, three guy package deal there in the 2013 class, I think, with Trey Matthews, Reuben Foster, Alvin Kamara. All three of them signed with different programs, or two of them signed with Alabama, I guess. They were all, you know, all ended up at different programs. So these, these package deals and things like that fall apart. But, Kip, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad. There's only good that can come of, you know, getting these elite prospects and, and these big-time defenders early on in a class that's, that's so deep with defensive talent, right? Yeah, especially, you know, guys that have tremendous skill sets. Like you said, with, with Killebrew, I mean, the the sky's the limit with him uh, at defensive back. And, and really, adding a guy like Washington, he's just a guy that, again, he's 6'2", 220 right now. If he grows, he's not going to have a problem coming off the edge because, that, I mean, they, they put him wide at defensive end last year. 
and, or, and stood him up basically as an outside backer. And, I mean, nobody could can beat him coming off the speed rush at, at Cedartown. I mean, and so I don't think it's really an issue where you put him. You, you just know you're going to get a high-level production. I, I think that he fits the part wherever he is on the field, and that kind of versatility is something that Kirby Smart and his staff put at a premium. So if they get a guy they know that they can plug in wherever he ends up physically and, and get a, a solid contribution, a guy that can be explosive and, and make a lot of plays, that, you know, they have to be excited about that. And, and I think that's really what he brings to the table. He just brings that, that productivity and explosiveness. And Georgia's really got a good leg up defensively on that class. And I think that you know, their, their stock is up in 2022 and, and definitely in the state of Georgia, it's looking like they could have a pretty extensive haul there early on. we got a long way to go, as, as we've seen in the 2021 cycle. But I really think that the Georgia coaching staff has to be really excited about, you know, being able to get Washington in the fold right now and, and just where they kind of stand with a lot of guys in, in that cycle looking forward. Now, uh, we're going to jump into a break here real quick, but before we do, a couple things I want to note. Kip pointed out to me before the show, this is our 77th episode. We've already got 383 reviews. Folks, thank you so much for, for supporting the Junkyard Dogcast and what we're doing, and and uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could get us up to 400 reviews. So give us a subscribe, uh, give us a rating, and, and then review us. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know uh, what we could do better, what, what you like about what we do, what we could do more of. We'd love to hear that. And also, over at Dogs 24-7, been doing this a lot lately, uh, at least once or twice a month, usually just once a month. But 50% off an annual subscription to Dogs 24-7. You get six months for free uh, when you sign up for an entire year. Or you can get one month for $1, and, and that's a two-day offer. Uh, it's going to uh, end on uh, the 23rd at midnight. So uh, jump on in and, and, and kind of give us a – Give us a shot over there. Subscribe. And, and listen, there's a lot of meat left on the bone for Georgian recruiting. We're about to get to that. So uh, so there, there's plenty to follow. And these two guys that, that are on this podcast with me, they're the best out there at covering recruiting. And, and they know what they're talking about. So you're going to want to know, you know, kind of things, how things are shaping up for Georgia and the rest of this class. Uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break to talk about the 2021 class and, and the good and the bad and the ugly. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys, listen, I can't sugarcoat it. If somebody wants to correct me, Rusty likes to tell me I'm wrong. He's usually right when he says that. Most people are when they tell me I'm wrong. But, you know, things are looking bleak for Georgia in the 2021 class, and, and they're looking bleak in, in July. And if you want something to look bleak, that's the month you want it to look or, or you know, sometime there or before because there's plenty of time to kind of get things right. But James Williams, five-star prospect out of Miami, uh, who is who had long been thought to be a Georgia lean commits to Miami out of the blue. Uh, the Bulldogs lost Terrence Ferguson over the weekend, a guy that Georgia, you know, seemingly led for for a while to Alabama. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, you got Smile Munden out there and maybe some chatter that Auburn might be a bigger factor there. Rusty, what's your take on this 2021 class, how it stands now and what it has a chance to be? 
I think there's general concerns. I mean, we're, we, you know, we, we understand there's a long way to go and, and, you know, people are on our board. We, we kind of take the temperature of our, of our subscribers and, you know, they're, they're not happy and upset and worried and concerned. I think Georgia right now has got to find a way to win some of these 50, 50, 50 battles. I mean, they're, you don't get any points for finishing second. And you look at a guy, um, you know, last night, James Williams, obviously they were the other team. Uh, Marcus Burke this week, you know, committed to Florida over Georgia. Terrence Ferguson, it was Alabama and Georgia. Uh, Dallas Turner was Alabama and Georgia. I mean, we go on for a little while here, and, you know, in Georgia, they're, they're losing the 50-50 battles. You're not going to win all those. But you got to win two or three of those to have an elite class. And, and right now, Georgia is not winning those. And it's, you know, it shows they're still recruiting hard. They're still in these final things, but they're not finishing and they're not winning these battles. And look, we're not in the office. We're not in the recruiting office. We don't, we don't, that's not, you know, the part where we, we are, but uh, whatever's going on there, they're going to have to change something because it's not working right now. And I know we've been through a unique situation that no, no team and no college staff has ever faced. Um, and we've all talked about it. Georgia has done fantastic under Kirby Smart uh, in spring visits. They had none. It looks like they're not going to have any in the fall. So, you know, how are they adapting and what are they going to change between now and signing day is going to tell the tale in this class because just be straight and frank with you. They are not winning the 50-50 battles. And, again, can't say it enough. There is zero points for second place in college football recruiting. And, Rusty, I want to reiterate something you said in there, and you said it multiple times, losing the 50-50 battles. You know, we have the unique uh, unique opportunity to kind of get the direct feedback of, of, of fans while all of this is going on in real time. And so many people want to ask. They want to say, hey, when are you guys going to tell us what's going on? What's, what's the problem here? Listen, there's, there's – like Rusty said, we're not in the recruiting office, so we don't know if uh, if the ball was dropped or if or if something went wrong or or whatever. We we don't know that, but what we do know is is that it's just as simple as this: Georgia's going head to head with some other programs right now, and they're on a little stretch here, a kind of an anti-run, so to speak, of of kind of getting knocked off. They're 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 kind of coming in second place more often than they're used to coming in second place. Uh, but something I do want to point out here is that, you know, these months haven't always been good to Georgia in recruiting under Kirby Smart. They, they just haven't. I mean, Georgia's landed some good ones in the summer, but they've missed on some good ones, and then things would look bleak, and then all of a sudden the season would start. And I think that's what has everybody kind of up in arms, Rusty, is the fact that there's so much uncertainty around the season and when kids are going to be able to visit again, whether or not Georgia's going to be able to flip anybody. And so that, the, the light at the other end of that tunnel, man, it doesn't seem as as likely to be there as maybe it has been in previous classes. Uh, do you think that plays into it at all? Yeah, I mean, you look and, and Georgia fans are rightfully so are spoiled under Kirby Smart. We're talking about first, what, two out of the last three years? Um, depending on what service you're looking at, I mean, they, they're top three every time. And, you know, that's kind of the bar has been set for Kirby Smart. And right now, unless they do flip some guys, it's going to be a lot of work for them to be a top five class. Now they got some big time guys out there; uh, they're still in the battle for. But I think if you if you narrow it down some, you know, you start getting concerned defensively. You know, you look at those defensive backs and Jake. I mean, you talked about this the other day about 
the upperclassmen, the corners they have. They really have two freshmen uh, with Keely Ringo and Jalen Kimber. So they are dangerously thin at corner, and they've lost some battles. It makes Nylon Green out of Newton County a major, major target still on the board. Uh, safety last night, they got, you know, with James Williams, that was a guy that I'm sure that I, I would be willing to bet they felt really, really good about that. That was a surprise to everyone. Again, I talked to the young man on Sunday and, you know, asked him a few simple questions, and he was very clear, look, I'm going to take this down uh, as far as I can. I'm just not ready. And I moved on. I mean, that's that was a normal answer, you know. And 36 hours later, he commits to Miami. So you just never know. But, uh, you know, they have got to turn some guys, and they've got to win – their, their major targets left and see what happens. Listen, there is a lot left now. I will say this. They have finished, and Jake, you, I think you and Kip both agree, the way Kirby Smart has finished as a staff gives you hope if you're a Georgia fan. Uh, they've got some guys, but if the gold is a top five, top three recruiting class, they're going to have to win every big battle left and flip a couple of guys um, down the line, which is you know not impossible. Boy, they certainly got their backs in the corner on this 2021 class. And listen, Georgia fans, uh, you look at the back of a baseball card uh, and and pick out your favorite star player. Doesn't matter. There's usually an off year. There's usually a year where that where a, where a great pitcher has an ERA close to four, or there's a big time power hitter that hits 26 bombs in a year instead of 38 or 40. So you know, I, I'm not saying that this is not going to be an off year. It couldn't be an off year, but but everybody's capable of that. Everybody's capable of kind of having their struggles. But Kirby Smart, without question, wants to spoil you. He wants you to be spoiled because if he spoils you in recruiting, then that's good for his program. He's stacking his roster. And this, this staff, I mean, listen, one thing I don't think you've ever been able to question under this staff is whether or not they're putting in the work to get there. I don't think anybody's being lazy. I don't think anybody's kind of slacking up. I just think they're, they're just getting beat out by some staffs that have, have maybe get, done a better job or, or, or have a better way to connect with kids during this whole pandemic thing. And, and, but, but I think it's, it should be noted that that's not an excuse. The pandemic's not an excuse because everybody's dealing with it. Everybody is. And so that's, that's important. But it, it's not looking great right now. Understand the frustration. Understand the concern. I, I, I do believe, though, that, that everybody should, at this point, have seen enough of Kirby Smart and his staff recruiting to know that they're going to get theirs. They're going to get some really good players from here on out. And, and I, I do think they're going to challenge for a top five class before it's all over with. And, you know, if the visits come back on and they're able to flip a couple guys, they'll challenge for a top three class, maybe that number one class. But it's, it's going to all be dependent on that. And I really believe that the uncertainty, not knowing whether or not they're going to get an on-campus visit at any point before the end of the 2020 uh, year, does kind of add some some issues to that, does kind of add, to, add fuel to the fire. Kip, is there any one thing – um, that you can kind of put your finger on that you think that might be causing Georgia or hurting Georgia in some of these battles and some of these, you know, kind of school to school battles for, for these guys. I don't think there's a, you know, a carte blanche answer. There's not a catch all, just one word, you know, a message board boast or tweet that can kind of really just encompass what's happening to Georgia and recruiting right now. I think, we mentioned early on when spring visits were, were off the table that Kirby Smart and his staff adjusted better to the early signing period than any other coaching staff in the country a couple cycles ago. 
on that end. That was whenever they handled change well. I think it's clear at this point that, you know, the, the pandemic and, and no visits has impacted Georgia more than others. I mean, we could say, yes, you know, just getting, getting guys on campus in Athens and the program sells itself and, that, you know, that's where Georgia has been strong before. But we're, you know, in month four of this. So you can't really continue just to say, you know, they, they can't get guys on campus because no one's getting guys on campus, at least as far as contact with coaches, coaching staffs and seeing facilities are concerned. So you can't use that as a reason now because they've had time, like every other staff, to adjust their way of recruiting. And I think there is some merit to it that some programs figured it out quicker and found different ways to, to get it done than, than Georgia did. At the same time, you look at the roster as it's you know comprised now, even with the guys that are probably going to leave after the season, Georgia's roster is as stacked as it's ever been you know, in, in the modern recruiting era. And while we, Jake and I, might know that there are probably some guys, and Rusty might know that there's some guys that are probably going to leave early for the NFL draft out of, after this season in July, you can't, you can't really sell that to a kid as much in other schools can sell it to them. Our depth chart is thinner right now. Georgia is stacked at these positions. Until they know for certain that players are going to be leaving for the draft, it is tough to sell a kid on coming in and not having to worry about guys in front of them and playing time, regardless of what you, you, you read or hear. Playing time is always like at the top of every recruit's list. They want to come in. They want to get on the field. They don't want to sit. So that, that has combined with the other factors to make it an uphill battle for Georgia. And – you know, while it is doom and gloom right now, and we're not going to point to visits opening up at this point because you really can't. You can't use that as a Georgia can get right back on top as soon as they can have guys on campus because there's no date for that. You have to, you know, assume moving forward that they're going to have to recruit this cycle potentially without hosting recruits. But at the same time, you know, as you guys pointed out, it's not over for this class. And, you know, I think whether it's top three, top five, I, I think that really you just want to, you want to get enough talent in there that you feel like you've, you've given your program a chance to compete for championships. And I think at 24 seven sports using our team rankings, I think kind of that 300 point threshold. I mean, if you look at whether our, it's our class calculator or the team rankings, when you hit 300 points, I, I think you, you know you've gotten yourself an elite class. I think right now Georgia, you know, they got 10 guys in the fold for the 2020 cycle right now. We think they have room to sign up to 12 more. And so you start looking at the, the targets that they're in the mix for. You look at five-star offensive tackle Marius Mims. We think Georgia's in a good spot with him. They got to win that out. He's going to announce next month as of now. Georgia's got a chance to land him. You look at tight end Brock Bowers from California, just coming off a visit to Georgia earlier this month. We think Georgia sits in a good spot for him. You look at linebacker Xavier Sori now at IMG Academy. We think Georgia's in a good spot for him. He's an elite prospect as well. He's a guy that's, you know, on the verge of potentially being a five-star and fits a huge need for Georgia at inside linebacker. You look at the defensive lineman Tyrion Ingram-Dawkins, 
out of Gaffney, South Carolina, a guy that we thought might commit twice the cycle already in May and June hasn't yet. We, we think Georgia continues to have some momentum there and has a shot to, to beat out in-state South Carolina, Tennessee, and other programs. Alabama also involved now. That's, that's a battle that I think that Georgia can win without a visit, and that's what, how we have to look at this. Which battles can Georgia win if they don't get someone on campus? And, and so you look at Smile Munden. So now we get into these battles where Rusty said before, the 50-50 battles. Smile Munden is becoming more of a 50-50 battle than, than what previously was thought in this cycle. A five-star linebacker out of Paulding County, Dallas, Georgia, a guy that has been mentioned numerous times in this podcast, you know, Auburn as well as Tennessee, they're making it really tough. And Auburn, they have some momentum. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Travis Williams at Auburn has connected with recruits on a, on a very close personal level since he came to Auburn. They, 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 they love the guy. And sometimes George has won out that battle against him so far. Uh, but but he's, he's won some battles as well. He got Owen Papo out of Grayson. And, again, he continues to, to give them a shot with Small Munden, and maybe they have the momentum right now. That's one where Georgia has got to, you know, they really have to put the foot in the pedal and, and, and figure out what, what he's looking for and what they can do to, to put themselves in the driver's seat to land his commitment. That is definitely one of those 50-50 battles they have to win for this class to be considered a Kirby Smart level success. You look at cornerback Dallin Green, as, as Rosie pointed out, uh, out of Covington, Georgia, Newton County, the cornerback. You look at the secondary recruiting. He's a guy that, you know, has been projected to Clemson before. Now, just like with Small Munden, we think that Auburn's the school that has done the best job making him feel like a priority to, write, to date. Georgia's really got to get in there and make him feel like he's a priority for Georgia because if he feels like a priority for Georgia – I think they have an outstanding shot of getting him. And I think it's something that, that he wants to see from that coaching staff. And where, however it is, that's where they have to connect with him and make him feel like that, you know, even if he is a priority, he has to know that in their eyes. And then you, you look at, you know, Dewan Warren, the Juco cornerback at Alakawana Community College in Pennsylvania, a guy that outstanding athlete, six foot, 175 pounds, the top Juco cornerback. That's another chance for you to really plug into that secondary, you know, a, a group that is really a, a high positional need in this class. You get the top Juco cornerback. You got a guy in DJ Daniels a couple cycles ago that really has helped your program. This is another guy that can step in and make an impact like that. And, and so you, you got to win that battle. You got to beat out, you know, nearby Penn State, a school that, you know, he – probably visit a lot easier than, than Georgia, but you got to make sure you find a way to connect with him. If you can get him on campus on his own, if that's what you can do, then that's what you do. But he plans on making a decision in December as of now. If there's no junior college season, we'll see if that changes. If official visits change and everything like that, if he's able to take official visits, Georgia's supposed to get the last one. So that's a third, in my eyes, 50-50 battle that Georgia has to win to, to, to get the level of class that they're known for. And then one other guy, we mentioned James Williams, you know, committing to Miami. I got to talk about Terry and Arnold, the safety out of John Paul Catholic in Tallahassee, Florida. You know, he's a guy that I think has been at the top of the board at safety 
for Georgia throughout the cycle. James Williams is a guy that's 6'5", 218 pounds, originally was at safety. We moved him to athlete in 24-7 sports, but he's a guy that can play multiple positions at college based on how his body projects. Taron Arnold is definitely a safety, and his film is outstanding. And Georgia's made him a priority. I think that he's a guy that you really got to watch. Alabama's in the mix, obviously, and Florida as well. I think Georgia has really connected with him. Other commitments have really made him feel like he's welcome in that class and comfortable with those guys. I think Georgia potentially could be in a good spot for him, and that's one they have to sneak in there and win one of those battles where Georgia's not projected as, you know, in the crystal ball or they're not projected to land him. Kirby Smart's always done a good job of getting one or two of those guys a cycle. And as of right now, if, if I'm picking one, he has a chance to do this cycle. I think it's Terry and Arnold. You, you land those eight guys. And, you know, now, now you're sitting on the doorstep of, of 300 points. You still, if you're going to take another running back, can you get a guy like Donovan Edwards? I mean, you're in the mix for the number one prospect in the country in Corey Foreman. You know, those are guys, those are uphill battles that you're going to have to beat out, you know, the nation's best programs and and in-state programs. But, again, if Georgia can pivot, figure out how to recruit effectively without visits, that's 10 guys that can get you to 20 guys and it can get you to 300 points. And it puts Georgia right back, you know, at the level they've been recruiting before. But as you said, where it stands now in July, what it means with the recruits they've missed out on, it means that the margin for error, you know, it's, it's, it's slim. It's much slimmer than we're used to it being in July. They've had this kind of margin for error, you know, in the fall where they have to land every single guy for, for them to get the number one class, for them to get the level of talent we're used to. And we see them twice in the last three years that they've been able to do it. They've won just about every recruiting battle that they could. And and so now in July, they're already where they usually are in the fall, where they just got to nail – they got to hit on every one of them or they're going to have to look elsewhere to fill these positional needs in the cycle. So it's it's something that should be of concern, but it's not something that's insurmountable. It just means that that Georgia's got to step it up and Kirby Smart pays these guys to be elite recruiters. You know, he's got to tell them, hey, this is where you guys, uh, you know, you earn your salary and, you know, we got to get it done. I look at it kind of like the Rose Bowl. Uh, it, you know, this is one of those things where Georgia's kind of got a little bit of a halftime deficit here. Uh, you know, it's, it's not looking pretty. It looks bad. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got two ways you can go with this thing. You can kind of fold up and, and or, or do the bare minimum and, and fill needs, but not maybe not get the elite guys left on the board and, and kind of have a really down class, or or you can kind of take that no margin for error attitude and and kind of bat a very high percentage here down the stretch. I don't think they've got to get every single guy you brought up. There's probably some guys they're going to get that we haven't talked about, but they do they do have to get uh, you know some elite prospects left in this class and and uh, to to finish where they want to finish. If you think a win is top three or top five, then the margin for error, like Kip said, is very little. You can't go wasting any possessions. You can't go missing on some guys that you really need to get, like a guy like Amarius Mims. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be almost impossible for Georgia to get where it wants to get if it misses on an in-state offensive tackle uh, like Amarius Mims. But get him, you know, pull out a pull out a, a shocker for a guy like uh, Corey Foreman, and or and, and swing things back in their favor for Smile Munden, things like that. 
uh, this can this can become a really really great class really quick and uh, but but ultimately I get the frustration and Georgia's dug themselves a little bit of a hole in this class there's no there's no bones about it nothing's nothing's going all that right at this particular moment but uh, the the good news is Georgia has a 2022 commitment a new one in CJ Washington and uh, there's a lot of meat left on the bone and we'll have it covered for you over at Dogs 24 seven. I'm Kip. I'm Jake Rowe. Not, I'm not Kip Adams. I, I'm not that that tall or handsome. But uh, I'm Jake Rowe. He's Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. And this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. We'll take it easy, everybody. Mm-hmm.